This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 54. And the quote of the day is from Bob Dylan, who said, A man is a success if he gets up in the morning and goes to bed at night. And in between, he does what he wants to do. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here. Got another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast for you. Wanted to let everybody know that there's a few things going on with the website right now. This The website looks a little crazy. That's because it's being completely redesigned and rebuilt on... It, there's a lot of technical stuff that's going on with it, but the reason why it looks kind of crazy is because we had to move it onto new servers, and I didn't want to redo everything to the site because it's going to be taken down soon to re-replace with this new amazing looking site so i'm excited about that but i just want to let you know if you're taking a look at this site it looks a little weird right now um but it is getting redone so that's why it looks like that and it'll house uh the new elite pro that we're coming out with and i don't know if you have heard about elite pro or not but elite pro is a an exclusive community for drummers and there will be everything on there from uh, business stuff to health and we- health and wellness stuff to motivation for drummer or for drumming and goal setting and achievement and live lessons and Q and A with drummers and different things like that. So if you're interested in that, just go to drummersresource.com forward slash elite pro and you can learn more about that. And you can also join the mailing list to hear about all the updates of that of when it'll be released. Also, I'll be coming out with a music business boot camp. It'll be a quick way to help you get all of your business stuff in order from your website to your social media stuff to a ton of other things for that um, that'll also be housed on the new website as well so if you're interested in getting all this information just sign up for the mailing list at drummersresource.com you'll be kept up to date with all of that and also for elite pro like i said just go to drummersresource.com forward slash elite pro and you can learn a lot more information about that and sign up for the mailing list for that the interview that I have today, I'm really excited about. It's Carmen and Tori, who's a friend of mine. And Carmen is cor- currently part of the Pat Martino trio, plays with Pat Martino and Pat Bianchi. He's also played with Joey DeFrancesco and a slew of other heavy-hitting jazz cats. He's a Juilliard grad and is just heavily immersed in the jazz scene in New York and beyond and has a ton of information. And what I really like about this interview is that he he candidly talks about jazz and how um it shouldn't be this this mystical thing so he really demystifies everything with jazz and gives a ton of information for people who are currently playing jazz or want to get into playing jazz and everything in between and he's a great dude uh, and he's an amazing player and i'm just happy to have him here so without further ado let's get into it mr carmen and tori carm what's going on man thanks so much for doing this i appreciate it you got it, Nick. Thank you. Absolutely, man. It's glad, I'm glad that we could we could finally connect on this, man. We talked about it for for a while, and uh, you know we both kind of fell off the fell off the face of the earth there for for a little while. But uh, it's all good. Yeah. So for the people out there that are listening that don't know, uh, Carmen and I know each other through uh, the De Francescos, and we played one gig together. The what was that? The Soul Patch All Star. That's right. That's- <laughs> In Westchester, Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did some uh, some double drums, and that was a cool gig, man. That was fun. That was fun. Man. 
I think it was more I think it was more jokes than playing. <laughs> I think Johnny jumped off of the bass drum at one point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said I'll never forget, man. He turned around and he goes, How come every time I'm soloing, you guys play like fuck? <laughs> Screaming, screaming at everybody in the band. Oh man! Oh my oh, God, it's hilarious. Off on that, it's a ball. I know. Glenn was on that too. What's that? Glenn was on it. Yeah, Glenn Farricone. Yep. That's yeah, there was, there was all sorts of drums going on, which is you know the way it should be. We had some percussion. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good night, man. It was. So let's. I always like to get the backstory on how people got into playing and you know what really sparked their interest in drumming and and how they came up playing so what's your backstory how did you get into it well i began uh playing the violin actually mm -hmm. at uh at four years old and um i was interested my both my sister and i were taking lessons at the school and it's just it just wasn't for me I wasn't I wasn't into the violin. I you know, it was like it was very strict. And it's that's and a for, hard instrument at a young age too. At, at, exactly. And and at four years old I wasn't it didn't appeal to me. So uh one particular night my dad saw that Buddy Rich was on TV on the actually it was the Disney Channel. And they used to have this concert series like Live from Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So it was Buddy Rich, big band, and um, my dad puts this on the TV, and I sat and watched it, and I told him, I said, I got to play drums. I mean, I I remember exactly how I felt when I was watching. I still have the video. Oh, really? And um, I started to, my dad got me a little set, little beginner set. And um, I started to try to uh, emulate Buddy, even his facial expressions. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, time just moved on. I, uh, I started taking lessons at five years old at a, at a place called the Community Music School, which um, they wouldn't accept drum students until the age of eight. So my parents went there and, you know, you know, our son, you know, he listens well, give him a shot, give him a chance. So the school did. And the teacher's name was Gary Rakowski. He's a wonderful teacher, percussionist, drummer, hands galore. And I was with Gary until I was about 13 years old. Oh, wow. The entire time. Huh. And I was reading... It's at a very young age, um, level six drum solos and all this. And it was, it was quite amazing. Gary was very into rudiments. So I was able to get, get that together at an early age. Right. And then I, um, at 13, um, well, my dad started taking me around town, Buffalo, New York, where I'm from. Mm -hmm. started taking me around the clubs, um, specifically sessions that started around 11 at night. 
on school nights. Right. So <laughs> we would be out till like one, two in the morning on a school night and, and we come home and my mom's upset. You know, he's got school in the morning and this and that. But I was lear- the experience that I was getting uh, being around the musicians and learning. It was it was uh, it was it was like going through uh, an accelerated music course. Right, you know? right, right. It was like learning so much, and and the musicians were very cool and encouraging. Um, you know, we get up there and play with organ groups, and um, now did your father play too? No, no, okay. no, but he's just a lover of the music. Mm-hmm. Both my mom and dad, lovers of the music. And um, so I, I remember auditioning for a University of Buffalo's jazz band. I was 13 years old. <laughs> <laughs> my dad brings me up there and I have to audition in front of this panel of the great Don Menza. He's a great right. jazz saxophonist who worked with Buddy. Uh, Sam Noto is a great trumpet player, worked with Basie. Um, and then a drummer named Louis Marino, who's, uh, according to Chuck Mangione, the best since Art Blakey. Hmm. So here I, I, I never knew who these musicians were, but I remember after audition, Louis Marino comes out and he speaks to my dad. He says, man, your son is talented. He's got a lot of potential. I need, I want him to study with me. So I began taking lessons with Louis. And, um, I mean, I was studying in the, the Chapin book, Mm -hmm. syncopation, the four way coordination book by Dahl Green and fine. Um, Will Coxon, I mean, all this information, um, he would he would make me cassettes of Philly Joe Jones and Elvin and Roy Haynes. So I was learning all this stuff at such a young age. And that's that was all I wanted to do and be. I wanted to be these drummers. Right, right. And um, it was interesting because my dad, both my parents loved the music, jazz, but um, my mom's she came up in the seventies. So disco was her thing. And my dad was like Rolling Stones and blues. So I had my music, Mm -hmm. you know, listening to Charlie Parker and miles and train. So, you know, they, they loved it. And, um, it just can, it just continued. I was always, let's just say I was always around older musicians Mm -hmm. since I started. And even at uh, school in sixth grade, I was in the 12th grade band. So right. I was always around. I was always learning. And, um, you know, it continues to this day. You know, it's it's just uh, it's it's like a big research project. Right. <laughs> Lifelong research project. Right. So that's basically uh, my background, you know, how I began. So. Was it now? Were you playing with all these older musicians purposely, was, or were or were you were you uh, you were just above everybody at your age? Well, I was I was advanced for my age. Um, as far as working with musicians, 
Um, it that took some time because you know here's this young kid, right? You know, um, but it, it it started to happen when I was in uh, when I was 14. We started a group of uh, we were all younger kids, and we started this group called Straightforward, and uh, Straightforward is quite known in Buffalo because we. We were young. We were kids. We were writing our own music. Uh, we were performing everywhere in the city, um, and we were opening shows for Grover Washington Jr., BB uh, nice. King, Spyro Gyra, Maynard Ferguson, um, the Yellow Jackets. And how old were you at the time? Fourteen. Jeez. Uh, Alex Bunyon. So we we kind of. Um, were known f- from some, you know some national musicians. I mean, especially Grover Washington Jr. was so cool and encourage- encouraging, and uh, he always kept in touch. And because um, he's originally from Buffalo, not Philly. Oh, okay, okay. And um, I didn't know that because I always thought he. I mean, I'm from Philly. I always thought he was from Philly. Right, right. And um, he was so cool. And uh, his drummer, who I'm sure you know, at the time was Stephen Wolf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Wolf um, was so encouraging and and very cool that he said, "Man, I'm gonna hook you up with Regal Tip drumsticks." <laughs> <laughs> and, and here come to find out, Regal Tip is located in Niagara Falls, right? Which is 20 minutes from Buffalo. Mm-hmm. We had no idea. So, I mean, it is like, it's like everyone, the support and, you know, that's what it's all about. And, and really that's what I learned. The guys were very nice to me and encouraging. And I try to do the same when I meet younger musicians. Right, right, right. Um, it goes a long way. It's the pay, the pay it forward mentality. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, that's really around the time I met Joey DeFrancesco performing in Buffalo. Oh, okay. Um, you know, and Byron Landham and Paul Ballenbeck. Mm-hmm. So every year they'd come to town. My dad would bring me to the show and I'd sit in on a tune. They were nice enough to let me sit in. And um, a few years later, I finally subbed for Byron. You nice. Know, on a gig. I mean, it was just... I could have died and, and gone to heaven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Joey D, you know? I mean, it was, it was just, it was huge for me. Sure. And, sure. And I, so I guess that's how you met, um, that's how you met Johnny and everybody else through Joey. Exactly. Right. I got exactly. you. So after, um, so you're doing all this stuff when you're 13, 14 years old. And then after that, you go, you went to Juilliard, right? Um, well, actually before Juilliard, I, I, I went to Performing Arts High School in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. When I graduated in 99, I went to the new school in New York. Oh, okay. And um, that was always a dream of mine. You know, you flip through Downbeat and you see new school, the ads. And I met some musicians who were already students there. And um, they said, you know, that's the place to go. You got to go to new school. So, okay, I'm going there. Right. <laughs> Whatever you say, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. I got to go to New York, you know, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I studied 
with Billy Hart. Ah, nice. I studied with Michael Carvin. Mm-hmm. And um, I studied with uh, Andrew Cyril. Hmm. How and was how was studying with with uh, Michael Carvin? I tell you what. Um, not only was it wonderful, but it was more of of uh, you know you're in a big city, and it's tough on 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 a youngster, right? And, and you're around great drummers, and you you know. Lot of, you're going to encounter some people who are discouraging and this and that. Michael actually uh, made me realize my strengths and uh, realize that to continue forward, you got to work hard. And, and he's I, I refer to him as the drum psychiatrist. Hmm. And it was just it wasn't so much about technical exercises. Right. It was about. Setting goals, um, long-term goals, short-term, um, um, and just being confident. He he helped me build my confidence. Right, and uh, that goes a long way. You sure, need, you it's need huge. That. Yeah. Well, the reason why I asked, I, I maybe about a year or so ago, I had actually contacted him about taking private lessons, and then oh wow, I don't know exactly. I forget exactly what happened, but. I couldn't do it, and then and it was at the time where I wasn't living in the city, or I wasn't living up here yet, you know. Right. So I was like, con or going back and forth between here and Philly. So it kind of fell by the wayside. But I definitely want to uh, follow up with him and and get. I would him. I would recommend it. Yeah, he's um he's a master teacher. I mean, uh, Ralph Peterson. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, man. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, I, I, I w wish I had the list in front of me, but it right. is quite remarkable. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's definitely a master. Nice. Master. That's good. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't expecting you to say anything less. I was just, I, <laughs> I just wanted to get your, you know, your opinion on it because I always like to hear um, what oh, it was yeah. like studying with different people. So, and, and I think that's important, especially in a city like New York. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many musicians, so many drummers. Um, regardless of the genre, it's all it's all drums. Right. You, you can you can achieve uh, that something from each drummer, and mm -hmm. it's 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 like um, you know it's the networks right in front of you in the city. So you got to take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely, know? man, absolutely. And you know, I I always. I've referenced this a lot that when I interviewed Russ Miller, he was saying, you know, he still takes lessons. He oh, still yeah. gets with people, you know, and I know that there's a lot of people out there that, that feel like taking lessons is beneath them or taking lessons is like a sign that you're not good or you haven't gotten to, you know, a certain point, but man, there's always somebody out there that can teach you something or a lot, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I think it's an unfortunate for those that think, think that it's beneath them studying and, you know, I mean, uh, private lessons with someone is, is just the same as uh, having a conversation with someone about right. the instrument, about music, about concepts. Um, that's the only way to get ahead. You know, like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's a, a lifelong research project mm -hmm. and there's, there's, um, and there's always, um, 
someone creating something new and different. Um, A younger person coming up is, you know, has a fresh idea on, on, on an older concept or whatever it may be, you know, um, specifically jazz nowadays is more of like a world music as far as I'm concerned. And um, I mean, there's so many rhythms, as you know, around Mm -hmm. the world that it's like, it's, it's, uh, there's no end to it, you know? That's, I love that part about it. So, there's so, so much to learn. (laughs) That's, I know it's like, you know, you can never, if you stop, man, you're just going to lose ground. You know, you just got to, you got to keep going because you're like, man, after I get this thing, I got to learn this thing. And then after (laughs) I learn that thing, I got to learn this. And and you do it for the love of the music, of the, of the instrument. Right. And I, you know, it, it can be, it can be daunting and seem overwhelming. I think a lot of people get frustrated with it because they're like, oh my God, it's so much to learn. But to me, that's the beauty of it. I love that, that there's so much to learn. I would hate to wake up one day and be like, all right, I know everything about drums. Now what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'd be bored. Now you, now you go take up the trumpet or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> Not me. No, may, man. No way. Um, so I want to, I like to, I want to boil this down a little bit um, because okay. I, I think that and correct me if I'm wrong, but would you agree that a lot of people are like mystified by jazz if they're not a jazz player? I mean, you play all different styles, but you're primarily a jazz drummer. Yes. And and people that don't understand jazz or don't or drummers who are like, man, I really need to learn how to play jazz. And they're totally mystified by it and they don't really understand it. So for the people out there that are listening, can you sort of break it down and and give people um, some ideas of how they can work on their chops and and what really is the essence of of learning jazz well I mean that is interesting because I, I get that question a lot and um, by by guys that are already out here working too mm-hmm. um, but I think first and foremost with any music um, instead of you know, it doesn't, uh, instead of like fi- trying to learn the, the basic ride symbol pattern and this and that, it comes down to whether or not you love the music. You love that music. And once you connect with that, with jazz, and it, and it strikes you inside your body, then you're on, to, you're on your way. Mm-hmm. Because now you'll start to hear the subtleties of the drums and the, the rest of the musicians in the band. Um, it's, it's not something it's, it's a certain feel, as you know, it's a certain, um, it's triplet. It's not eight notes. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's, it, you have to listen to the music first and foremost. And that's what I tell, tell guys or gals when they, uh, ask me the question, because, I, I, I'll recommend a record or two, and um, hopefully they listen to it enough that it affects them mm-hmm. in, a, in a great way. And then we can continue. So what are two, what are two records that you recommend? I guess this is like your, your beginner's guide to jazz records? Yeah. So you what- know, um, it would be, I mean, we can, we can go to the most, the, the record everyone should have, whether or not you like this music. 
Uh, you should have Miles Davis kind of blue. Mm-hmm. And it's a great example of Jimmy Cobb um, just swinging and, and playing wonderfully. I mean, you know, I play along to the record every day. It, you know, it's crazy. It's such a, it's such a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's such like a, a generic example of jazz. Like people yeah. are always like, kind of blue, kind of blue, kind of blue. It is. But it it's is. such a great record. But, but <laughs> you know, it's like but any, it, like the heaviest cats or the the cats that have just started playing jazz are both like it's an amazing record. You know. Oh yeah, it's, but it's it's just funny that everybody's like, oh yeah, kind of blue, and you would think that people start to, you know get tired of it or sort of like well, I, or that, discount I think it. That is, that is the, sorry to cut you off. I think that is the case. People, you know, you hear something over and over again, and you're like, okay, yeah, I know that record, but do you really know that record? Right. Can you sing along every solo? Uh, can you play along with Jimmy Cobb? Can you play along with his ride pattern? You know, mm-hmm. there's all these. When listening to these records, I, t- I try to put them under a microscope. Sure. And I try to focus on, on the drums, on the ride cymbal, uh, the, the bass and the drums, the relationship between their hookup, uh, the snare drum and the piano comping. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, information in these records. Mm-hmm. It, and at the same time, you're training your ear in a way that when you finally get on the bandstand, you're used to listening um, in a way that you can have a conversation and propel the music on stage. Right. Because that's also a big part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, just find yourself an automatic pilot. I mean, there's interactions. Um, the drummers, I consider the drummer um, the conductor, the... Uh, the orchestrator and you know uh, the spark the creative spark of a band mm-hmm. you know you gotta in order to have a great band you have to have a great drummer i believe i totally agree and um but that's that's pr- pretty much the basis of this music but to to go a little further um the information is in the records Philly Joe Jones, uh, Billy Higgins, Tony Williams, Art Blakey, um, uh, uh, man, there's so many. Sure. Uh, and what what defines everyone is the ride symbol. The ride symbol is the m- most important element in jazz drumming. Um, uh, I used to go. When he was alive, I used to go see him every week, Eddie Locke. Mm-hmm. Eddie Locke is a great drummer. Um, was with Coleman Hawkins for a long time. Just a great jazz drummer. And you go, you go and see him perform in little little places around town. He he just have a cymbal, right? He just have a ride cymbal. And he would play this ride cymbal and swing a whole big band with it. I was I was knocked out. Nuts. Knocked out. And um, that's that's what I'm trying to trying to achieve myself. I mean, it's it's very difficult. Sure. Um, but if you approach it 
in in that way it's and one thing you have to you don't want to do is you don't want to bang on the bass drum you know like 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 you, you want to feather the bass drum right so if, that's why they call it feathering <laughs> exactly more felt and heard but you know that that becomes a, a control thing also mm-hmm. you know it's it's difficult and um um the, the that gives the necessary uh bottom needed it's not a, a volume thing it's a feel thing it's necessary to round out the your playing from the kit and it also enables the bass player's notes to be heard and not covered up by your bass drum. Mm-hmm. And also, when guys play the bass drum too loud, it, it, it doesn't swing. It, it kind of weighs the, the beat down. Sure. And um, you want to stay away from that. And as far as the left hand goes, the best way um, I would recommend achieving a left hand and comping ideas and whatnot is to um, is to really focus on piano players the way they comp, mm-hmm. and um, and a great book uh, for examples uh, of some rhythms is the uh, Chapin book, Advanced Techniques for the Modern Drummer, and um, that will give you a great start and. Um, You'll be on your way, but but as far as the drums goes, it's it's a sound. It's sonically, every jazz drummer has a certain similarity in terms of balance right. from the instrument. Uh, you know, like funk is, uh, you know, backbeat. You know, the backbeat is prevalent, and the and your right hand on the hi hat is prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, jazz is more. You know, your hi-hat crisp on two and four, your bass drum's feathering, your snare drum's having a conversation <laughs> with the pianist, and your right cymbal's in a league of its own driving the band, swinging right. the band. So um, I, would, I would really just focus on, on each limb and really trying to emulate the records and the sound that these drummers are achieving, even from the tuning of the drums, because mm-hmm. I think that's very important in itself sure sure i agree with that um i think you know that's a that was that's a good start so what was the other record you said kind of blue and what was the other one kind of blue um we could say um uh you know we could say max roach with charlie parker and massey hall or something like that um because that's bebop you know max Mm -hmm. roach was one of the greatest um and, um, you know, you want to go back. You want to go all the way back to Baby Dodds and Zooty Singleton to early New Orleans drumming and and start to, you know, like a timeline, start to check out the drummers along the timeline. And you'll start to hear um, the advances in drumming and the drum set itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Papa Joe Jones to... Um, uh, uh, Art Blakey to Philly Joe Jones to Roy Haynes. Yeah, I mean, have you, you have you seen that uh, the Century Project that Daniel Glass did? I have. 
Yeah, that's a, I thought that was a good DVD, man. Yeah, it, it sure is. It sure is. And I I didn't realize, he told me this afterwards, that most of the drums that are on there are all his. It's all like his personal collection that he plays on, on all the uh, <laughs> on the whole DVD, <laughs> which is that's nuts. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. So, But I, I love the fact that you just broke all that down because I know, and like I said, man, I get it all the time. You get it all the time. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a big jazz drummer, but I get it all the time. People are, are asking me like, man, I just don't, I don't get jazz. It doesn't make sense to me. And I think because think people are thinking about it, like it's rock, you know, like they're trying to play jazz, but in with like rock with a rock mentality, right. You know, or like a funk mentality or something like that. And it's just, it's a totally different animal, so I'm glad that you that you broke that down because you are, you know, you're the master at it. So, well, I mean, I'm far from the master, but I mean, I have a love for this music, and um, I mean, it, that's what I'm saying. If, if when listening to these to this music, either you're affected or you're not. It's like it's like listening to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Either you're affected or you're not. Right any music um i know i'm gonna get a lot of slack from this but i can't listen to the beatles you know and and by by no way am i a jazz snob i mean i listen to everything it's just i don't get the same feeling that i and the same excitement that i get when i listen to philly joe jones right um that may sound strange to some people but uh it's just it's natural you know? No, I mean, I'd rather I'd rather listen to uh, I'd rather listen to Steve Gadd than listen to you know Phil Rudd. You know, sure, sure. Like I just I don't like ACDC, yeah. and people are like, "What? They're a great." Ba-. I'm like, "Well, that's cool. I just don't dig them. I don't yeah. like Rush either." Or 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 you you can dig them. You're just not affected by it. You know, it's right. not exciting. It no, does. I just don't dig ACDC. Okay. <laughs> I just want to set the record straight. Set it straight. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just never, and I don't like Rush either. I used to like Rush. Yeah. And then I just, it just doesn't, like you said, it doesn't affect me, you know? It doesn't affect me like listening to, you know, listen to like, you know, Steve Gadd player, Steve Jordan or somebody like that. Exactly. So. Exactly. Exactly. So, but I don't know, man. That's, that's why. That's the way to go about it. Yeah. I always say that's why they make Coke and that's why they make Pepsi, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So recently, you well, not so recently now. It's been a while now, but you've been you've been playing with the great Pat Martino. And I'd like to talk about that gig a little bit. Um, sure. About how the gig came about. And it's great, man. You're playing with Pat Bianchi, who I've had the pleasure of playing with a few times. And he's just an amazing player as well. Um, so how did that gig come about? And, and you know, what's it, what's it like playing with him? Because I'm sure you've been listening to him for years. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll give you a little backstory. When I first moved to New York, I uh, mentioned I studied with Billy Hart. Mm-hmm. And um, as a student of Billy Hart's, he would ask me because he was always on the road. He he was like in, and he still is. He's in like a dozen bands, and and <laughs> he's all over the world. Right. And uh, sometimes he can't make a gig, and you know, uh, he'll ask his students, which he did with me at this time, if I can go down 
to the Iridium, which was the old Iridium uh, in the Empire Hotel. Mm -hmm. He asked me if I can go down and record the music. And the band happened to be Pat Martino, Joey DeFrancesco, and Byron Landon. Hmm. Okay, and Byron was uh, subbing for Billy on this particular engagement. Okay. So. So what did what did what were so, you recording it for? I'm gonna get to that. Ah, he, uh, okay. Okay. Um, Billy, a student of the music, wanted me to record the music so he can learn it. Because he was joining the band um, a little, uh, a few weeks after. Oh, okay. So here I am, 19 years old. Joey puts me on the list, and he was young too. At yeah. The time. Um, I'm on the, I got my mini disc player. <laughs> right. Yeah, I had one of those. I record the music, and I would follow this trio around, Pat Martino's trio. And by doing so, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't realize it. I thought I was just doing Billy a favor. But I was learning the music inside and out. Mm -hmm. And that's 1999-2000. Fast forward to 2011, I find myself on stage with Pat Martino. And um, he was a guest with Joey and I. Oh, okay. At the new Iridium. And we played four nights. And it was funny because um, three days before the gig, Pat Martino emails me 30 tunes to learn. <laughs> like, like he was setting me up or something. And uh, he sent three days before the gig, I'm going through the music. And, and there, no MP3s, just the sheet music. Jeez. So here I am. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going through it. I'm trying to learn it. Um, and come to find out as I got deeper and deeper into the music, I knew most of it. Really? Already. So when we get on the bandstand, we're at soundcheck and he's calling the most, the hardest tunes. Joey even had an issue with some of these tunes because, <laughs> because he had to remember them from 10 years, 10 years ago. Right. So, and he is a great memory. Oh, he's. He has a photographic memory. Yeah. And um, I just remember Pat calling the great stream. And it's a very difficult tune of his. And we play it and he turns around and looks at me. He's like, you know, giving, giving me that nod. Right. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and we had a great time. We had a great four nights and um, he already had a band. So he had a drummer and actually Pat Bianchi was his organist at the time. Okay. Um, Who was playing drums with him? Um, I'm not sure exactly on okay. uh, his name, but he, he had a band, and um, I think it was together for quite a while. And um, um, something happened. They were uh, Pat Martino was on tour in Europe two months later, and something happened, and I got a call to join them and finish the tour in Europe. But um, I was kicking myself at the time because I wasn't able because I was going to Italy with Benny Golson, the uh. great past tenor sax player. So I was thinking to myself, well, I lost the opportunity, but hopefully it'll come up again. Right. And sure enough, it did. And I think you were at that gig. 
my first gig I played with Pat was in Philly at in Christmas. Phil- yep, I was there. And, yep, the the weekend, the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was there Friday night. Yep, and yeah. that was um, that was my first gig with with that band, and uh, we've been going ever since. About three years now. Nice. You guys, and you sounded great then, but like you were saying, you already knew the music, sort of, right? Sort of. You know, I, I knew the basic uh, s- structure of the music. Right. You know? Because now you don't use any charts, right? No. Yeah, because then you were using charts. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, I, and, I don't blame you. <laughs> you know? It's and, the first uh, gig and... Exactly. Better safe than sorry. But playing with Pat, I mean, he's, he's just, he's like a freight train. He's he's one of the greatest jazz guitarists around, um, and it, just being around him has really opened me up musically, and um, I've learned quite a bit about this specific group, uh, which is the Organ Trio, um, from him. You know the records he made with Don Patterson and Jack McDuff, mm-hmm. and uh, just hearing the stories and and. Jazz isn't so much, you can't attain it in the classroom. It's more of a culture. Right. I want to just put out there. It's more of a, um, it's a tradition. It's an oral tradition that is passed down. And the more you listen and um, really, I, I like to surround myself around the older musicians, which as we mentioned, is is my upbringing. I was always around the older musicians. So I like to seek out those who are, who've been in this business for a long time and who have history and such guys as Benny Golson and Pat Martino and Monty Alexander. Mm-hmm. So I like to surround myself with, with those guys while they're still with us. Sure. I, I agree, man. I just, you know, time there's i've learned so much just from just from hanging out with johnny and glenn at the studio you know and it's like it's not it's not a lesson but it is exactly i'm not there for a drum lesson or a guitar lesson you know but like just sitting there listening it's like being a sponge and soaking all this information up and like you said immersing yourself in the culture of of what's going on and is the way that you really learn it's like trying to learn business out of a out of a business book it's not going to happen you know you're absolutely right you can learn the fundamentals but you're not going to learn the real the The, real deal meat and potatoes of it yeah that's right so now you've i mean you've had this great career so far and you're still young you know i mean i like well you're we're the same age so i like to say we're still young (laughs) (laughs) so uh so what's next for you what's on the horizon what do you want to what do you want to uh accomplish in the future well um, it's, it's hard for me, uh, to predict the future or it's hard for anyone really. I can, I'm really good at it I'm per- <laughs> in case you're, <laughs> you gotta teach me. Yeah, I got a side business going on. We'll, we'll hook up on that. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, <laughs> but I mean, honestly, um, I mean, I have goals in mind, um, uh, but I really try to, embracing what's happening now right um so i don't miss out of of now this day and age mm-hmm. uh, there's so so um like we just completed a, a couple nights at the blue note here in new york right um we finished up last night with pat mm-hmm. 
and um, we're heading to D.C. Uh, for the weekend, playing at Blues Alley, and then we have a little time off. But um, instead of dwelling on that time off, um, I know what I got to do um, to to enhance and to keep my skills up until the next gig with Pat. Right. You know, whether it's it's making sessions with musicians around town, um, writing music, um, teaching lessons, um, uh, uh, some recordings are coming up. Um, and then, of course, you know, working on being a leader myself, there's a lot of, as you know, mm-hmm. a lot of logistics that one goes through besides the music. <laughs> yep. Um, I think it's more that than the music. Exactly. <laughs> the music's exactly. the easy part at that point. Exactly. And um, so, I mean, I, I, I just hope to continue with, with, with these elements. I mean, I love teaching. Um, I, I just graduated with my master's from Juilliard. I actually, um, to back up, after new school, I spent two years at new school, and then I uh, was in the first class of Juilliard's jazz program. Mm-hmm. And I graduated in 05, and then six years later, seven, no, seven years later, I went back for my master's, and I just completed that last year. Nice. Congratulations. Which was, which was you know, it's kind of tough when you have, uh, when you're, have professional obligations, you know, it's sure. tough. But um, I, you know, dealt with it, and I made it happen, and um, um. So I hope to utilize that someday because, you know, traveling is tough. Um, I'd like, you know, maybe uh, uh, a position at a, a college or, or uh, some kind of music school or something. Mm-hmm. I, I do like to share the information. Right. You know, that, that's important to be uh, to being a teacher. Um, but, uh, you know, I have some records out and, you know, we got some projects in the works and mm-hmm. Um, and I work with other musicians. I was just in Europe with Monty Alexander and, uh, the great percussionist Bobby Thomas Jr. was on the gig too. Nice. And, uh, as you know, Bobby spent all those years with Weather Report with Mm -hmm. Jocko and Peter Erskine and the stories and the, the rhythms I learned from Bobby on, in these two weeks was, oh my God, it was, it was phenomenal. I can only imagine, man. It was phenomenal. And um, so, you know, it's just trying to make it happen in, in different ways, I guess. Sure. Without uh, stressing over it. And especially, I, you know, I always, I always try to stress the importance to everybody, all the listeners that, you know, especially this day and age, man, you got to be sort of entrepreneurial and, and have your, you know, have a couple irons in the fire because the days of just like touring and, and making a ton of money just doing that is is long gone, you know. Well, you're absolutely correct about that it's um and um i think that because you're have that business sense and i mean that's perfect that's perfect advice um for all of us Mm -hmm. and um this day and age i mean you know i mean we can get into it on you know another conversation but you know everything's shifting right everything's changing uh, record sales the stores i mean even music shops yeah you know, everything's changing. Everything's online, and it's attainable. It's at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. We don't have to really seek 
deeply to uh, you know get the information. Nor do we want to. You know, Nor do we like- I do. I I mean, I I'm a student, so I like diving in and and really uh, researching things like you said, you know, not to use your words, but, you know, this research, this long term research project. Exactly. I dig that. But especially the younger generation now coming up, it's like, I don't really want to work that hard at it. Well, you that's and, and that's what I, I tend to see. Mm-hmm. And not everybody. So I don't want to offend everybody out oh, there no, and no, say, no. That, you know, there's a not lot of everyone. I mean, I'm guilty of it sometimes. I mean, I used to when when cds and cassettes we used to listen to you know you listen to the whole cd kind of like guys before us with albums right when you drop the needle and you listen to the whole album i mean i'm guilty i mean because the music is so attainable i mean you know fast forward it (laughs) next Right, right right and unfortunately that's you lose a lot of you miss a lot of the information sure and, um, there's a reason why all those songs are on the record, you know, in, exactly. in that sequence too. And it, it, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's the hard part. I mean, you know, we're, we're trained these days to like, every, we need everything so fast, quick. We need mm-hmm. it now. We mm-hmm. have no patience, but, 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 or focus uh, or focus. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's required to play music. Totally agree. You know? So what piece of advice do you have for people that are coming up? Because I always like to get advice from people that are doing it now to pass on to people that are coming up or want to do this as a career or, you know, want to try to try to do this professionally. Well, first and foremost, there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts to playing music. Um, And I'd like to reference jazz because that's my forte. Um, you have to go back and, and learn the information. Jazz is just over a hundred years old. So it's not like you're going back to Beethoven and Bach, right? You know, it's the information's right there and it's a hundred years is now old. Um, you have to, um, in terms of the drums, learn, you got to build a foundation. You have to learn the basics. Um, rudiments, sound, um, um, you know, I, it's not so much, see, a lot of guys, a lot of musicians think it's hip. They, they, they're like, they're playing something very hip and new, but really it's only new to them because everything played has been played already. Right. You can't reinvent the wheel, mm-hmm. but when you study the past and the present, you'll be able to attain the future. And I think that's the only, that's the recipe. There's, you can't skip and say, oh, I'm going to just check out what's happening now. Right. You know, Chris Dave, mm-hmm. who's a fantastic drummer and, and creating his own thing and vocabulary and language. But you got to go before him. You got to go all the way back. Mm-hmm. And then you'll be able to understand what he checked out and where he's getting the information from. Right. Find and the people that you like and then find out who they liked and then find out who they liked. And Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, but um, it, it goes for like pianists. I mean, uh, you know, you can't just start with Brad Meldow and, and without studying Monk. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to miss a whole pile of information. Right. So I think that's the first and foremost. And, and um, you know, just, just understand the essence of this music and, and, um, and don't forget about the audience. Yeah. You know, because the audience is just as much as part of this music as as we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, without the audience, you know, what do we have? Right. Nothing. You know, so uh, I think that's important. And, um, you know, just just be aware, you know, nothing, nothing is new under the sun, I think is right. the saying. Um, so. If you go with it, by it uh, about it that way, I think you'll be uh, in good shape. I agree, man. There's there's multiple pieces of this puzzle, and uh, you know once you once you put it all together, it it comes together beautifully. So um, that's right. So right. definitely good advice, and I think that's a that's a great place to stop, man. That was uh, you know that's that's some good advice for everybody out there to realize that there are all these different pieces that you have to put together and, and there are no shortcuts and you got to put the time in, you got to put the, you got to put the work in, um, and study your ass off too. So you're right. You're right. Lifelong. Yeah, man. Well, Carm, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat today, man. I know, uh, I know you're a busy guy and I know you're, you're tired because you've been, you've been working some (laughs) late night gigs the night before. So I appreciate you uh, taking some time to chat. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, congrats on the, on the, on the, the website and the podcast and drummers resource. It's a lot of great information for us all. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And, and you're welcome anytime, man. So, uh, you know, we'll definitely have you back on. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> all right, man. Good deal. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Okay, dude. Nick. Thanks, bro. All right. See ya. Bye. There you have it. The one and only Carmen and Tori. And the thing I really love about Karm is that he's still a young guy. I mean, he's he's the same age as me. He's 33. Um, and a lot of people, when they then they hear jazz guys talk or they, you know, people get into jazz conversations, it's usually old timers that are jazz snobs. And well, I shouldn't say that all the time, but a lot of times. And Karm is not that way. He's he loves jazz, but he loves everything else, too which is really cool. So it's a fresh, fresh approach and, and, and fresh way of looking at, at playing the, the style of jazz and getting into that music. So if you want to check more or learn more about Carmen, excuse me, you can go to CarmenAndTory.com. He has a new record out called For the Soul, which you can pick up um, on iTunes and all that stuff and through his website as well. And as I mentioned, if you want to learn more about Elite Pro, go to drummersresource.com forward slash Elite Pro and sign up for the mailing list and you'll be kept up to date with Elite Pro and also the Music Business Boot Camp that I'm going to be coming out with very, very soon. And a bunch of other tips and tricks right to your email. And you'll also get the ebook, Stick Control Variations. It's 11 creative exercises to use with Stick Control. It's normally $9.99. It's 100% free when you sign up for the mailing list. If you want to connect with me, you can reach me at drummersresource.com, facebook.com forward slash drummersresource, on Instagram at drummersresource, and on Twitter at drummersrsource. And until next week, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Peace.